let's read from 1 Timothy chapter number 4. We are continuing, uh, finishing, actually completing our sermon series this week, the sermon series on uh, getting fit for life that we've been working through for the month of October. And uh, we are doing the last session today on fitness for life in the book of uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4, beginning with verse 7, the King James Version says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Everyone say exercise. Verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Let me read from the New Living Translation. This was actually in our Bible reading this last week for those that are reading the Bible through. Verse 7, it says, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. It says, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward both in this life and the next. Verse 9 says, This is true, and everybody should accept it. This is true, and everyone should accept it. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. And today, our subject is... Being fit for life in the area of spirituality. Let us pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for this chance to gather together with God's people and to lift up and to praise your precious name. Lord, I feel your presence here, and I feel a spirit of expectancy. I feel a spirit of revival in the house, Lord God. People believing and hoping and expecting, Lord God, that you're going to do great and mighty things. I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, exceed our expectations today. As your word says, you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the riches that you have in glory and the power that works in us. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus and for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. To recap our sermon series, John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief's purpose, these are the words of Jesus, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Jesus Christ came to this earth not just to save us from hell, but Jesus Christ also came to this earth to give us life in all of its fullness. In order to experience life in all of its fullness, in other words, life in all its goodness and all the good that it has to offer, you must be fit for life. In order to be everything that the Lord would would like for you to be and has planned for you, you must be fit for life. In order to be happy and healthy and looking good and feeling good, it requires discipline. Discipline in our life for us to be fit for life. And this discipline and fitness is in four different areas. And for your recap, this afternoon, the first area that we talked about is in order to have fullness of life, you must work to have and discipline yourself to be fit 
physically, first of all. Everyone said amen. And the key phrase in being physically fit is you must burn as much or more as you consume. Because if you don't, it turns into fat. And fat can be disastrous to your health. And so uh, we talked about things like controlling your metabolism. And a good way to control your metabolism is to get up in the morning a little bit early and eat a good breakfast. We talked about the Wawa method of maintaining your uh, weight level that you desire, water and walking. Everybody say Wawa. And we talked about just get moving. Your body was designed and made to move, to walk, to get around. And so uh, it just requires discipline to be fit in your body. And another thing that I'll tell you, one of the best ways to maintain physical discipline is to get up every morning before you eat breakfast, step on the scale, and weigh every morning. Every morning. This will help you with physical discipline. The second area in order to experience the fullness of life that we talked about was being fit in your soul, which everybody knows that your soul is your mind and your emotions and your will. The key phrase from that lesson was, think about what you are thinking about. Because if you're thinking thoughts that are depressing, thoughts of fear, thoughts that are filled with anxiety, or if your mind thinks about things that you are bitter about, usually... Your feelings and your emotions and your mind will produce in you that type of life based on your thought life. And so the discipline of being fit in your mind and emotions, which is called your soul, is to think about what you're thinking about and control those thoughts that you allow your mind to dwell on. Can I get an amen? And last week we talked about fitness in the area of finances because... There is nothing that's more stressful and nothing that can bring more pain into your life than to uh, be in extreme debt and uh, be under a lot of financial pressure and stress. The key phrase from that lesson was, spend less than you make. The problem with most Americans is they spend more than they make. The problem with the rest of them is they spend exactly what they make. But people that are financially fit are people who learn and discipline themselves to spend less than they make. We talked about the discipline of tithing, which is giving God the first 10%, which enables God to be able to bless you because you're obedient. We talked about refusing consumer debt, staying out of debt. We, talking about, we talked last week about working hard and learning not to consume every dime that you earn. The biggest mistake that Americans make is spending everything that they earn. And so the discipline is, the discipline is to save every week a little bit of what you make. Learn to save some of every check rather than eating everything that comes in. I do have some good news. After Thanksgiving, the week after Thanksgiving, I believe it's uh, November 28th and 29th on Wednesday and Thursday, my father is going to be here, and he has done personal finance seminars all over the United States, and he's going to do a Wednesday and Thursday total money makeover for everybody in the church who is interested. So I think that would be great, and uh, that's going to be an awesome time, and that's uh, toward the end of November. Now, all of these three areas that we've talked about this month, fitness in body, fitness in mind and emotions, and fitness in finances, it's really interesting that all of them had to do with discipline. That dirty word called discipline. 
that word of taking time and energy and focus and sacrifice to be fit. You cannot be fit without discipline. People are not just naturally born with a fitness gene. And there's no shot that we can give you that just kind of mainlines fitness to your body. Fitness is something that everyone can obtain, but it requires discipline. And today we're talking about the final piece of the puzzle. The final piece of the puzzle of peace. The final piece to life in all of its fullness. The final piece to being all that you can be. And that is being fit spiritually. So you're fit physically and taking time and trouble to be fit physically, to get moving, to exercise, to watch what you eat. You're fit emotionally, watching what you think and letting positive thoughts uh, be the controlling force in your mind. You are watching and careful in how you spend your money and saving money and you're financially fit. And finally, if you can put the final piece into the puzzle and be spiritually fit, then you can experience life in all of its fullness. How many does that sound good to? To be able to experience everything that God has planned for you, all the happiness that God has planned for you, all the peace that God has planned for you, all the fulfillment for your future that God has planned for you. It comes in being fit for life. Amen? Praise the Lord. So fit or spiritual fitness. We read in your hearing The Bible says, spend time and energy, or another translation says, take the time and trouble to train yourself for spiritual fitness. While physical exercise has some value, spiritual exercise is much more important because when you exercise spiritually, you get benefits in this life, but also you're laying up benefits for the next life or eternal life. Amen? Physical exercise only helps me in my life on this earth. But spiritual exercise not only helps me on the earth, I live a better life, I feel better, I'm more at peace, but it also gives me promises for eternal values and eternal dividends. Now that's an investment. I want you to say, now that's an investment. That's an investment that promises more than a 403B or a 401K or an IRA or stocks or bonds or any other kind of financial investment, which is important. But spiritual investment has eternal value. Everybody said amen. Exercise for spiritual fitness or for godliness, as the King James Version refers to spiritual fitness. The one point is, is... That you have to exercise and that it takes time and energy. Everybody say time and energy. Time and energy. That's the bad news. The bad news is is in order to be spiritually fit, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to be a spiritual person now. Now I'm a spiritual person. Look at me. I've got power with God. I can overcome the enemy. Satan is fearful of me. Look at him running, tail between his legs, because I said I'm a child of God. No, it takes time and it takes energy to be spiritually fit to be one to be able to go through the tough times and the difficulties and to keep your head up and to be an overcomer through jesus christ the point is godliness and spirituality don't just come naturally any more than physical fitness comes naturally you 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 some people i've heard a lot of people before blame their lack of fitness on their genetics And I know genetics has a lot to do with certain things. 
But the reality is, I don't care how good your genes are. You may have the best genes of all. But if you don't take the time and trouble to be physically fit, you're not going to be physically fit. Amen? The same is true spiritually. You, can't, you don't just automatically become spiritually fit. You have to take the time and the trouble and the energy to discipline yourself to be spiritually fit just like you do with physical fitness. Now, this morning if I were to ask you, could you please for me rate your spiritual fitness? On a scale between 1 and 10, how fit are you spiritually right now? Now, if I asked you that uh, physically, how, how physically fit are you between 1 and 10? Most of you would probably say 6, 4, 3. You can do that pretty quickly. I'm a 9. I, run, I ran 3 miles every day this week. I'm in great shape. Not me. I'm just saying somebody could say that. But uh, if you had to rate your spiritual fitness between 1 and 10, where would you be? A one would represent somebody who's in poor health spiritually, somebody who's low on faith, somebody who's not a giver, who doesn't give of gifts to the kingdom of God or resources for the church or their abilities, somebody who's not very committed. Obviously, a one needs some exercise, right? Or a ten at the top of the list. A ten would be in great health, a person who has strong and growing faith. A person who is a giver, who is active and using their gifts and talents and resources to bless the church. Somebody who's very committed to the church family and, more importantly, very committed to God. That's a 10. Where are you between a 1 and a 10 today? Now, here's the deal. Some people use the same reasons that they give for not physically exercising. They use the same reasoning for why they neglect spiritual exercise like studying the bible reading the word of god praying and fasting the same excuses well i don't have time for it i don't have time to exercise well i don't have time to read the word of god or i have more important things to do right i would love to exercise i'd love to get up and walk a mile a day but i have got such important things on my schedule see people won't come out and say it but in their mind that's the same reason that they give for not executing spiritual disciplines in their life whatever it is that you're doing is more important don't you misjudge my motives well that's what you're saying when you put that above these exercises of spirituality you're indicating that they're at a higher priority in your life. Amen? And uh, so, no time, or I have more important things to do, or I don't, I simply don't enjoy it. I like to do things that I enjoy, things that are fun, and spiritual disciplines to me are not fun. And that's the same reason people give for not exercising physically and for spiritually as well. Now, before we get too far into talking about spiritual disciplines or becoming spiritually fit, let me make sure everybody's on the bus first, okay? We don't want to leave until everybody's on the bus. The question I have to see if you're on the bus is what, what is meant by spiritual fitness? And more specifically, what is spirituality? And even more specifically at the core of this question is what is my spirit? If I'm going to have my spirit be fit, i got to know what my spirit is and be able to define that. So that I can know how I can be spiritually fit. Let me explain it to you. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. I meant to bring something with me. I forgot. I meant to have a pot of dirt. A pot of mud here. Because Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 tells the story of how God created human beings. 
it says very simply, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, out of mud or dust or clay, if you would, out of pieces and chunks of the earth. Has everybody got that? Bible says, Genesis 2-7, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. So I want you to pinch yourself on the arm. Not too hard. I don't want anybody to scream. But th- I want you to say, this is dirt. Everybody say, you're a dirt bag. Say, Pastor Brown, I thought you were talking about self-esteem a couple weeks ago. The reality is our bodies come from the dirt. And they will return to the dirt. Because when God created the first man, our great, 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 however many greats, grandfather, Adam, he formed him from the dust of the ground. Shaped the legs, the feet, the toes. Shaped the body, the torso, the arms, the shoulders, the face, the nose. Making it in his image. And then the Bible says, Genesis 2-7, And then God breathed into his nostrils. The breath of life. Everybody say breath of life. The word breath there is the same word as wind or spirit. Spirit. And then it says, and man became a living soul. So here, here's the whole, whole deal. I want you to watch carefully right now because this is important. I don't want to lose you. Get on the bus with me. You on the bus with me? God put two parts together. First of all, he used dirt. And secondly, the second part came from him, God's breath. God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. And all of a sudden, when these two things came together, when God's spirit and a piece of the earth came together that had been formed, it created a collusion of the two, which was called a living soul. So my soul is a product of dirt and breath getting together. Dirt breath. My soul is a product of something from the earth and something from God. So every person who has been born, every individual who has ever lived, comes from the earth and from God. Part of them comes from the earth and part of them comes from the living God. Those two parts are still in any human being. One part from God and one part from the earth. Everybody got that so far? The Bible says when we die, our spirit separates from our body. And the part that came from God goes back to God. And the part that came from, came from the earth goes back to the earth. So where does it say that in Ecclesiastes? Uh, let me see. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So while I'm here on the earth, when I was created, dirt and God's breath came together. While I'm here on the earth, there's a part of me from God and a part of me from the earth. And when I die, part of me goes back to the dirt and part of me goes back to God who gave it. Everybody understand that? Now these two parts or components of our creation are in constant conflict with one another over our direction and over our interests. My body, which came from the dirt, is in conflict with my spirit, which came from God. 
And they're fighting over my direction and over my interest. Now, where's the battle fought? Everybody remember from a couple weeks ago? Where's this battle between the flesh and the spirit fought out? In my mind or my soul. In my mind is where the battle is raging. Over whether God's principles or principles of this world in my flesh are going to control the direction and the destiny of my life. This is the battle. This is the conflict. Romans 8 and 6 says, For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the scripture goes on to say that ultimately you get to choose which is in control. The part of me that came from this earth or the part of me which came from God. It says it this way, those that walk after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but those that walk in the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. So you get to choose what is going to have control in your life. Either the part of me that came from this world and gets its fulfillment and satisfaction from the earth, or the part of me that came from God. Now these two components are also in conflict over our thoughts, as we said. But in Galatians 5 and 17 says, The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It's a battle. Everybody say it's a battle. My spirit, which is my connection to God, the part of me that came from God and the part of me that hungers after God is in conflict with my flesh. The part of me that came from the earth, the part of me that will return to the earth, and the part of me that gets its satisfaction and fulfillment from things of this world. They're in conflict with one another. They're going different directions. My spirit, everybody want to know what your spirit is. We're talking about spiritual fitness and spiritual life. If you want your spirit to be fit, you need to know what your spirit is. Your spirit is the part of you that desires God. Is that plain enough? Everybody understand that? That part of you, down in you somewhere, that part of you that hungers for God, the part of you that wants to feel the presence of the Lord, the part of you that wants God's will to be unfolded in your life, the part of you that wants to be at church, that part of you is your spirit. The part of you that desires God, the part of me that is concerned about things that aren't in this world. There's a part of me that doesn't care how big of a house I own. There's a part of me that doesn't care what kind of car I drive. There's a part of me that doesn't care, amen, how much money and possessions I have and how much I'm able to fulfill the desires of my flesh and how much I get to eat. But there's a part of me that doesn't care about the things of this world. But there's a part of me that hungers and thirsts after God and after His presence and being right with God. And if you want to know what your spirit is, it's that part of you that has a hunger for God and wants to be right for God. Now, some of you are already recognizing that sometimes my spirit, if it is as you define it, Pastor, is stronger. And then other times it's very weak and its voice is almost silent. That's what we're talking about today. Learning to be spiritually fit so that part of us that is concerned about God and things of God and living for God and being right and holy is not silenced and not weakened, but that part of us that is our spirit that desires after God would be fit and strong. Amen? And exercise itself. Hallelujah. Another thing about my spirit is my spirit is God conscious. 
And my spirit is also honest about my connection with God. Guess where conviction comes from? Anybody heard of conviction before? Conviction comes from my spirit. When I come into church, into the house of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, and I suddenly begin to feel like something's missing, something's lacking, I want something more. I want whatever's available for me, and I need to repent. I want God to cleanse me. I want to be delivered from sin. I want to be delivered from bad habits. All of that that happens comes from your spirit that desires to be right with God and be connected with God. Let me read a scripture for you. This is awesome. Listen to this verse. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. It says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Your spirit is the part of you that's honest about what you really are. Hallelujah. My mind and my flesh can put up a nice facade. But when I get in the presence of the Lord and my spirit begins to come to the surface and begins to rustle and breathe and begins to have influence, uh, it turns the searchlight on the rest of me and says, uh-oh, there's some things in your heart there. Mm-mm, you got some unforgiveness. Uh-oh, you're doing some things you shouldn't be doing. Uh-oh, you have taken God out of the driver's seat of your. Uh-oh, you have messed up your priorities and put God down on the list uh, instead of God at the top. The spirit is the searchlight of God that reveals to you the secrets of your heart. If your spirit is dead, you don't even care how you're living. But if your spirit is alive and healthy, then you cannot go against the will of God because that light is shining so bright. Anybody know what I'm, anybody know what I'm talking about when you're spiritually fit, when you're in that position where when you're tempted to do wrong, there's something that says, uh-uh, no, 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 no. But when you're spiritually not fit, when your spirit is in a position where it's sick or almost dead, then you can conduct yourself in a way that's contrary to the will of God, and you don't give a rip. You don't give a care because there's nothing shining the light down. God's light or God's lamp is not shining. So your spirit is the part of you that is God-conscious and honest about your position in connection with God. Now, let me just draw a contrast here. Animals are living beings. You have a dog, you have a cat, you ride horses, you have mice in your house. (laughs) These animals that you love so dearly are living beings, but they do not possess a spirit in a soulish sense, this connection with God. See, human beings are unique in this, and if you talk to an atheist or an evolutionist, they would argue this point up and down, but I think this is an easy argument to win. Human beings are the only animals on the planet that instinctively worship. I'm going to say that again. Human beings, okay, they classify us in the animal kingdom, right? Homo sapiens. We are the only animals. Remember, you know all the animals have these instincts, these instincts to survive, instincts to reproduce instincts to go back to a certain place for for mating season and all of this human beings are the only animal on the planet that have an instinct to worship anybody ever seen a uh, an ape worship service before or the chimpanzees getting together and saying okay we've been swinging around we've been having fun slinging poo at each other let's stop for a minute i think it's time we honor our creator they don't do it 
But human beings, no matter what society they're from or what their background is, they may not worship the one true living God, Jehovah, Jesus Christ. But they are actively worshiping something. Anybody notice that? All societies, all the family of man, instinctively, that means it's built in a desire to worship. They're what sets human beings apart from other animals. Dolphins are smarter than humans. But I've never been to a dolphin worship service yet. I've seen them push people through the air, out of the air. I've seen them do their jumps and all that, but I've never seen them do a worship service because human beings are unique in that they possess a spirit, which is a connection to God and a part of them that hungers after God and desires to be right with God. Amen? Have you ever also noticed that animals have no shame? You know what I'm talking about. You've been to a zoo before. And you're walking by the whatever's looking at you, and you're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? I know some human beings are like that, but uh, most human beings have some shame, some morals, some things they don't do in public, and some things they don't do in the eyes of others. Animals simply do what nature instructs them to do, or their flesh. The part of them that came from the earth, whatever it wants to do, they just do it. There's no compunction, there's no restraint, there's no morality there because they don't have a spirit. You're unique, you're different from the animals. Ever say, praise the Lord, I'm different. I'm different from the animals because I have a spirit or a part of me that desires God. Everybody does, amen? Now you, you say, well, that person doesn't even have a spirit or a soul. Look how evil they are. They got something, it's hidden, it's dead, it's buried. But something down inside of them is there that really wants to cry out to God and really wants to reach out to the Lord. Amen? Animals have no shame because there's no conflict between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is absolutely in control because there is no connection with the spirit. And some people demonize religion. And they say, the problem with America is our puritanical morals. And, and uh, you just need to come on and be true to yourself and enjoy free love and naturalism. And if it feels good, do it. Uh, and all war would end and all problems would end if we would just get rid of religion and get rid of God and get rid of all of these things that hold us back from just being true to ourselves and doing whatever we feel like doing. That's what humanity is saying in human beings. And it's so foolish because it's 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 uh, re relegating us to our base animal instincts. And they say, well, your moral compunction or your desire to live a moral lifestyle is just a product of your religious society or upbringing. No, I disagree. The moral compunction that I have, amen, is a part of me that God breathed into me. And even though I don't understand it all, even though I'm not fully aware of it, there's a part of me that wants to please God, that doesn't want to defy God's laws, that wants to be pure and righteous, amen? Thank God for your spirit right now. So this begs the next question. If there is this conflict between flesh and spirit, between the part of me from the earth and the part of me from God, why is it that the majority of human beings, the majority of society, seem to have little concern for God and His principles? Why is it if all human beings were born both carnal and spiritual, 
Why is there seem to be no spiritual influence? Why does it seem that all humans or most humans seem to have silenced this God part of them? And rather than being in the house of the Lord worshiping God, they're more interested in a football game. And, uh, and rather than obeying God's principles, they just live however it is that they choose to live. Let me tell you the sad reality of human beings, of, of why this conflict is not happening in them any longer. And while they're just doing whatever they feel like doing, the reality is, and this is important, you got to get this, brothers and sisters. The reality is, is that human beings, the majority of them, are spiritually dead. Everybody say dead. Dead. The reason they're spiritually dead is because of the sin of Adam and Eve. Remember the Bible says, In the day that thou eatest of the fruit, thou shalt surely die. And we know that that day they didn't die physically, they were still alive, but they were cut and severed in their relationship with God. And rather than God's spirit controlling their life through their human spirit, their human spirit died and their soul, which is their mind and their emotions, took over and they did no longer care what God wanted and what God's concern was. This is the plight of human beings. Since we are born of Adam, we are born in a spiritually dead state, disconnected from God's spirit. Uh, and rather than being led and directed by God, our soul, which is our own will, our own mind, our own emotions, end up directing our life. And that soul, our mind, is usually influenced most directly and clearly by our fleshly desires and appetites. That's why you got young people sleeping around instead of obeying God's principles. Even young people that have been raised in church and know better. That's why you got them doing things that... Uh, Bring sadness to God's heart because of spiritual deadness, a lack of concern and lack of conviction because they're spiritually dead and they let their life be led and influenced by their fleshly desires and their fleshly appetites. But you want me to tell you what God's plan is? You want me to tell you what God's plan is even for this service here today? You're struggling. You want to live for God. You want to defeat those powers of the enemy in your life and those lustful feelings and those tendencies to disobey God's principles and, and break God's heart. You want to do it, but you don't have power to do it because you're trying to do it through your flesh and you'll never be able to because your flesh comes from the earth and only pleases the earth. The only way you can live above sin, the only way you can have a victorious life is that spirit has to be brought back to life again. And you've got to bring that spirit back to life. You can't do it. But I'm here to tell you, you're in the right place on the right day because there is one who can bring your spirit back to life. And that is the breath of God or the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, which was designed to bring you from a life of sin into a life of righteousness, to take you from a base existence that only satisfies the lust of your flesh and take you to a fulfilling existence that fulfills God's desires for your life. Come on, I'm telling you about the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring your spirit back to life. He wants to reestablish this connection so he can lead your life. Without being, let me say it this way, being spiritually dead, it's impossible to please God. You can do your best. You can try in all the ways you possibly can, but you can't please God. It's impossible through my flesh. I can try to punish my flesh. 
Every time I do something bad, I can beat myself on the back. I can try to punish my flesh, force my flesh to be obedient. But it's not going to work because this won't be accomplished in the flesh. It's going against my flesh's nature. But somewhere along the way, I've got to let that part of me that automatically and instinctively desires to please God. I've got to let that part come to life. I've got to let that part be empowered. And then my life will change. Amen. And then something will be transformed in me through this spiritual birth. Amen. God's plan is to bring your spirit back to life. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means sin makes you spiritually dead. You're just doing your own thing, and it's like there is no heartbeat, no connection, no life at all to please God because you're spiritually dead. Amen? And some people try to please God without spiritual birth. And because they were brought up in a family that was moral, because of their upbringing, and they get frustrated because it's impossible. Their spirit is dead. There's no life. There's no passion. I cannot live above sin. I've tried. But let me tell you what God's plan is for spiritual birth. New birth. You've heard it this way before, being born again. Being born again is a real, it's just not a Christian cliche, but it's really something dynamic that takes place in a person's life. Amen. Before Jesus ever came to this earth, in the Old Testament, there was a prediction that God gave to a prophet about this coming promise of spiritual rebirth. Because in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people had the same problem. They were fighting against the flesh, and they weren't spiritually alive. And so they tried to obey all the laws and, and cause their flesh to submit to all the laws. And it was impossible. They ended up falling short every single time. But here was a promise from God. We're going to change things, says God. Ezekiel 36:25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart with new and right desires. I'm going to take out the heart. That only likes to do what the flesh wants to do. And I'm going to put a heart in you with new and right desires. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. And I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. I can't obey God just because I want to. I can't obey God just because I want to please Him. But somewhere along the way, i got to get His Spirit on the inside. Because when His Spirit comes in me, He also puts a new heart in me. Another passage says He writes His commandments. Instead of on stone, He puts them in my heart so that I want to do what God wants me to do. The only way that that can happen is my spirit has to be brought back to life again. Jesus said it this way, John 3 and 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. When I was born the first time, it was a fleshly birth. My first birth gave me life. But my first birth only promised death because my flesh was in control. That which is born of flesh is flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. It's interesting. If you look at it there, it says the Spirit with a capital S gives birth to Spirit with a small s. 
That means, well, what do you mean by capital and small letter? Anybody know what, where I'm going with that right there? Anybody know where I'm going with that right there? You, gotta, you know, when the Spirit has, well, why do you capitalize something? You say, well, Pastor, you're the English teacher. You, tell, you capitalize something because it's a proper noun, right? In the middle of a sentence, something is capitalized because it's a proper noun. When it's saying the Spirit and capitalizing it, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The small letter spirit means my spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. I was born of my mom and dad. That was a fleshly birth, and that put me in a position to desire the things of the flesh. But the second birth is that which is born of God's Holy Spirit uh, is spirit. That means when God's spirit moves on me, there is a birth of my spirit, a rebirth of the part of me that desires to please God. Something happens on the inside, and something that was dead and shriveled and in a state of decay suddenly is breathed upon by God. Spirit and my spirit is born. That's why the new birth experience is so awesome because people who could in no wise please God and 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 satisfy God and and uh, satisfy their desire to please God when their spirit was brought back to life again. Come on, I'm talking about the greatest experience that can ever. I'm not talking about just goosebumps and talking in tongues for a few minutes, but I'm talking about new life through Jesus Christ, and that's what that church is founded on. This church is built on lives that have been changed by the birth of the Spirit. A key phrase, being spiritually fit, first of all, requires new birth. If you're trying to become spiritual and godly and obedient without the Spirit of God, you're putting unnecessary stress on yourself and lining yourselves up for frustration. And here's the good news. Today... Whether you are from an Anglo background, Asian background, African background, Latin background, Arabic background, and on and on and on we go. Every person in this place today is going to have a chance before we leave here in a few minutes, just a few minutes, to be born of the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? You know that frustration you've been struggling with? Why can't I be victorious, my Lord? I know what's right, and I know I should do it, but I never am able to do it. The reason is you're trying to be spiritual through a carnal carcass. <laughs> but God will give you power by allowing you to be born of the Spirit. And some of you have been born of the Spirit before, and you're wondering why you're struggling. Your spirit is barely making it. Your spirit is struggling just to survive, gasping for those <clears throat> final breaths of air, if you would, until your soul and your flesh completely take control. But today, since Jesus is here, since his power is here, since I'm preaching to you the truth, and since God's glory and desire is that all would be experiencing God's presence, you will have a chance today to be born of the Spirit and start this process of being fit for life in a spiritual sense. Amen? You will have a chance chance today to repent and give your life to God. If you haven't done it before, you can do it today. If you've done it before, you can do it again. And you'll have a chance today to believe that the Holy Ghost is for you, to believe that the Holy Spirit is for you. And you'll have a chance today to ask God to fill you with His Spirit and give you power to live above sin.
And I'll go ahead and tell you now, if you're not sure whether you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before, if you're not sure that it has happened before, you said, well, I made a decision to live for God. I asked God to forgive me of my sins. I signed a card at a church, and I shook a preacher's hand. Uh, can you tell me, do I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost or not? I'm pretty sure that I do. And I'll ask you, when did you receive it? You say, I'm not really sure when I got it, but I think it came in when I gave my life to the Lord. I started to feel something different. And uh, let me tell you something about Life Church. Uh, amen. We have cards in the back you can sign if you want to. And I'm a preacher. I'd be glad to shake your hand. But if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've got to ask God to fill you with His Spirit. And the first evidence, the first evidence to know that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you will begin to speak in other languages or another tongue that you never learned before as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance or the ability or the words to speak. This is the initial evidence that you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this gives us cause to rejoice because we know, even though it's a beginning stage, even though it's just a birth stage, but somebody new is born into the kingdom of God. And watch out, because their life's about to change. Come on, their life's about to change. Oh, praise the Lord with me right now. That's what this church is about. Born of the water, born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to make you smile from ear to ear. It's supposed to change everything about you. You know why? Because you were so depressed because you couldn't live above sin. Your habits were beating you to pieces. But when God's Spirit came in, all of a sudden you didn't want to go the same places you used to go. And you don't want to talk the way that you used to talk. And you don't want to do the things. And you don't want to look the way that you used to look. Everything about you begins to change. And it's not just because your willpower is strengthened, but it's because God's Spirit comes on the inside. And the part of you that wants to please God comes back to life again. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. I feel His presence here right now. Come on, God wants to bring it back to life again. Some of you have been having a hard time praying. Some of you are spirit-filled people, but you, you haven't even been wanting to come to church. Some of you are spirit-filled people, but you've been struggling just to live above sin. Hey, you know what? God hasn't walked out on you, and God hasn't forsaken you, and His Spirit hasn't lost its power. But what you need is you need to become spiritually fit. You need to take the time and trouble. Amen? You need to take the time and trouble to, to be victorious through the power of the Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel Jesus in the house. I feel Jesus in the house. Amen. I could pull, pull it to a close right now, but I just want to make a couple comments here because there are those in the house tonight who are spirit-filled but not spiritually fit. Let me tell you again, you have been filled with the Spirit, but today you are not spiritually fit. And I want to just give you a couple clues about how to exercise yourself unto godliness, how to take time and training or spiritual fitness so that you can be victorious and you can be an overcomer. You know that when you work out physically, you get your heart rate up to a certain level and keep it there for 12 minutes that your body releases endorphins. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What are endorphins? It's a natural antidepressant. 
These endorphins make you feel at peace and feel good about yourself, and they release stress, relieve stress. This is proven in physical exercise. These endorphins are released when you exercise. That's why it feels so good after a workout. You feel so positive. Now, if God thought about that as he created this human body, because how do those endorphins get released? Because God created your body to do that. When you have discipline, he gives a kickback. If God did that when he created your human body, don't you know that he wants us to get the same kind of feeling of well-being and satisfaction as we exercise spiritually as well? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's Wednesday night, you come to prayer meeting. You kneel down, you start praying. You can think of 30 things you'd rather be doing than sitting there in a church praying. I know that because a lot of you haven't been showing up. But you're praying, and you're pushing, and there's resistance, and your flesh is on the throne, but you keep pushing, and you keep pushing, and you can't tell exactly when it happens, but things start to shift a little bit. And all of a sudden, whoa, I'm feeling something. Mm. I've been pushing. I'm feeling a little burn, if you would. I've been pushing, but I feel like something's changing, something's shifting. Amen. And I'm feel, and then all of a sudden, if you keep pushing, you will find yourself uh, tapping into the presence of God, tapping into God's plan and will for your life, and feeling His presence in His anointing, and letting your passion for Him be replenished in your spirit. Uh, you know what you're doing? You're exercising. You know what? It's not fun to start, uh, but when you push through, there is a release of spiritual endorphins uh, that when you leave that prayer meeting that night, uh, you feel good. Amen. You feel close to God. You feel like, you know what, I did something that I needed to do, and I feel better for it. This is taking time and energy to be spiritually fit. See, some of you need to start working out. I'm telling you, you need to start working out spiritually again. You can't hardly get your carcass to church on time. You can't hardly do uh, uh, the, the things that simple Christians ought to be doing, just living their life for God. It's like pulling teeth to get you to commit to any kind of ministry or service. You know what the problem is? The problem is your spirit, man, is very weak and anemic. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, uh, you better start exercising. You better start working it. Uh, you better get out your Bible and start reading. Amen. Get out your Bible. Hey, man, there's a hundred other books I'd rather read. Yeah, that's the way you feel when you start, but you get into it for a couple minutes and let the Word start working on your heart and let the Spirit of the Lord begin to transform you and everything changes. I'm talking about you leave that knowing what God's will is and having God spoken to you. Oh, come on, praise Him with me right now. Some people only turn to God in the Bible when problems occur in their life or when the preacher recommends, hey, you're struggling, you need to read your Bible or pray. But there are a minority within the kingdom of God that exercise consistently because they love God and they love His Word and they know what the product of this exercise is. Those who faithfully put forth the effort to spiritually exercise reap great benefits in their life. Amen? Amen. What happens when you're not exercising physically? When you're not exercising physically, you have no energy to do anything. You want to lay back on the lazy boy, flip the channels, and go through that dozen of Krispy Kreme. Number 10, number 11, number 12. Honey, it's time to replenish. Bring me a big glass of whole milk. 
because I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. But when you exercise, you've got energy to do more, you know. You know what's crazy? If you get up and walk, if you just get up and walk before your day, intuition would tell you, hey, I've been walking. So when I finish, I'm going to be tired and want to kick back. But the reality is, is when you exercise, it gives you a burst of energy that you go out and attack your day then and go after the things that you need to go after and get the things done that you need to get done. The same is true spiritually. If you're spiritually not exercising, if you're not moving spiritually, if you would, then what happens is you don't want to do anything else for God. You have no interest in coming to church or going to ministry or doing a work for God. You just kind of want to lay back because spiritually you haven't been exercising. Amen? Anybody know what, ha- what else happens when you, when you hadn't been exercising? Brother Rick, you remember what happened to me when we played basketball? What happened to me? I pulled a muscle. I experienced a tremendous amount of pain because I tried to do something without having been exercising. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you old like I am got a little... Dunlap over your belt, belly, and uh, you know what it's like when you get out there and do something and you pull a muscle or you get sore, really sore, because you haven't been exercising. And you've got to take a few days off and just lay around and say, come here, baby, can you bring me something to drink? I just feel terrible. Hey, guess what? The same is true spiritually. When you're not exercising spiritually, you get hurt real easy. You get your little feelings hurt, and you wear them on your sleeve, and you walk around all grumpy and, and mopey. Amen. And, and anybody says anything to you, you're going to mistranslate what they said and uh, think that they're against you because you haven't been exercised. And I'm telling you, you need to get into the Word. Oh, God help us. We need to find a place of prayer. Because if we're going to turn this world upside down, we're not going to do it on my charm and my good looks. It's going to be the power of prayer and the power of God's anointing through people that have been exercising spiritually and have strength to attack it. Brother Lee, you were recently in the military. Tell me what boot camp's like. Yelled at a lot, a lot of exercise. And you, you watch those people that go into boot camp all bloated and cocky. And they come out. They got a whole new attitude and a whole new body. Something's changed. You know why? Because the U.S. Army's not interested in going into battle and sending out couch potatoes. But they're like, I think I'll stay in the tent today. You got another pack of Doritos? They want to send people out that have energy. That aren't going to get hurt easy. So they say, we want people that are full of exercise. That have been working out. That have been doing the right things. And we are the army of God. And if we think God's going to reach this city, He's not going to do it without us. And He can only do it if we are ready. we got to be prayed up. we got to be spiritually fit to do what God has called us to do. Oh, come on, praise the Lord with me right now. I feel Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 It's not easy developing spiritual fitness. Getting into shape involves discipline and commitment to work hard. But with consistent practice, 
the spiritual routine eventually becomes a habit that the Christians enjoy. They enjoy it thoroughly, and they would not miss it, just like they wouldn't miss a meal. Hey, I love it when lunchtime comes. I love it when dinner time rolls around. Don't Hey, somebody said, uh, what shall I call you? I said, I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. Because I love dinner. I love lunch. And now I love breakfast, too. Praise the Lord. But uh, the, in a spiritual person, when they get committed to the habit and to the practice, uh, spiritual desires, the Word of God becomes an appetite like that that they enjoy thoroughly and they would not miss it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. So the spiritual disciplines, fasting and prayer, Bible reading, Bible study, coming to worship service and worshiping God, and also being involved in ministry, serving, serving people. Amen. What's my brother's name here? Matthew. Matthew was at our uh, service that we had yesterday at the L.A. Mission, and God touched him and ministered to Matthew at the L.A. Mission. Hallelujah. But that's ministry. That's serving. There were those of you that committed a day yesterday and ministered to children. And you may think, well, that doesn't matter. But it matters. It matters to God. It's exercising yourself unto godliness. Amen? And these things are spiritual disciplines. It's a lot easier just to get wrapped up in my life and do my own little thing and pursue my little education and make sure my little happies, little family's happy. But somewhere along the way, I've got to say, you know what? God's called me to a ministry. God's called me to serve. And I've got to commit myself to be consistent in ministry. There's a lot of people that, that, that go through time going, oh, I feel like ministering. Ah, put me on the platform. Let me look, let me, let me, let me, let me go. And then next week, where are they? I don't know where they are. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about consistency in serving the kingdom of God. Consistency in worship, Bible reading, study, prayer, and fasting. Also, you've got to watch your intake, too. Can I say that real quick? I told you a few weeks ago, breakfast is essential since your fuel gauge is empty in the morning and your metabolism will slow down. And my question is, do you start your day with God? What do we feed ourselves throughout the day? Television? Worldly values? Does our spiritual diet consist of appetizers from Sunday sermon only? Or do we eat the meat of the Word? Are we interested in growing spiritually? Amen. The parallels are astounding. But you've got to monitor your intake. Amen. Take in those things that are good, those things that are pure. Observe those. See, we're living in a different day where I can't just say, well, this is your piece of equipment that you don't have in your house. We're living in a day you can get pretty much anything you have on television in through your house on the Internet if you have high-speed Internet. And worse. And so you're going to have to learn to say, I'm not going to take this in. I'm not going to ingest this. It's going to destroy me. It's going to hurt me. And I'm turning it off. I'm going to something else because I want to please God. I want to be full of His Spirit. I want to be spiritually fit. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes right now. Amen. I want the Spirit of the Lord to minister to us in the final few moments here. Hallelujah. I want us, first of all, to thank the Lord for His Word that He's ministered to us. And those of you that are Spirit-filled, I want you to pray a prayer of commitment right now to the Lord. And I want to pray it with you. Because we all have to, you know, you know we fall off the wagon. We, we lose our consistency. But Lord Jesus, I'm asking, dear God, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, do the right things consistently, Lord God, 
Start out with coming to church consistently, Lord Jesus. Let me make that commitment in my life, Lord God, that I'll be there if I'm physically able. If any way I can, I'm going to be there. And I know that when I start to miss, it's a sign, Lord Jesus, that I'm losing my passion, my desire for the kingdom. God, I'm asking that you would help spirit-filled believers to be faithful to the house of the Lord. God, I'm asking, Jesus, that you would help me put the consistent uh, practice of prayer and study of the Bible, reading the Bible. And uh, God, I know, Lord Jesus, it's so clear to me that when I do stay consistent in reading the Word of God, I'm growing spiritually. I'm getting stronger. I'm making the enemy nervous, and I'm about to reach my neighbor. But when I put my Bible on the shelf and let dust collect, Lord God, I become weak and anemic and subject to the enemy's attacks and useless in battle. But Lord Jesus, let me stay in your Word. Let your Word define me, Lord God. Let me stay in that place of prayer, in that communion with you, Lord God, in consistency. Lord, in the in the uh, discipline of fasting, Lord God, to put it into my life on a consistent basis, Lord Jesus. Maybe once a week, Lord God, or once a month, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you allow us to put these disciplines into our life of worship, Lord God, hallelujah, and serving people through ministry. We recommit ourselves, Lord God. I'm ready to wake up. I'm ready to wake up. I don't want to be lulled to sleep. I don't want to be a sloppy couch potato spiritually. But God, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up. Oh, God, let us live for you and serve you and walk with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. Now lift up your hands to the Lord and let's stand together. Lift up your hands to the Lord and let's stand together. Thank you for listening so carefully and closely today. But now once you lift up your hands and praise the Lord with me right now, because the Spirit of the Lord is in this house. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. Uh, hallelujah. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And Jesus is here. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an altar call just for in a moment here, but I want us to come forward in waves because here's what's going to happen. I'm speaking a word of faith. God's going to fill some people with the Spirit. God's going to refill some people with the Spirit. And some of you have been trying to live for God and you've been tapering off and you've been struggling. God's going to bring your Spirit back to life. Amen. Like those, like those uh, 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 winds, those Santa Ana winds blew on the fire and made them go out of control. God's Spirit wants to blow in this place uh, and take that little tiny ember and turn it back into a flame in your life. The Spirit of the Lord wants to do that. So first of all, I'm going to ask anybody who's in the house today that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've made a decision to live for God. Maybe you have not made a decision yet. Uh, but you're in this place and you love Jesus. And when I talk today about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it went through your mind. I wonder if I've received that or I haven't received that, but I would like to receive that experience that that preacher is so excited about. If that's you, in just a moment, I want you to come forward first. Anybody that wants to receive for themselves the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, amen, I want you to come forward. Then the second group of people that I want to come forward are those of you that are in the house today that you may have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before. You spoke in tongues and we rejoiced with you or they rejoiced at a church with you or maybe in your house you experienced it. 
but there's something inside of you that says, I know I'm not where I need to be, and I know it's because my spirit man is really not very alive. It's kind of in a dead state, and I want the Spirit of God to bring it back to life again. I want to be refilled with the Spirit. I want you to come second. And thirdly, I want everybody in this place who the Word of God has spoken to you about recommitting yourself, recommitting yourself to spiritual disciplines for spiritual fitness so you can be fit for life. That's the final group that I want to come forward. Now if we can close our eyes right now. Hallelujah. If there's anybody that wants to receive today for the first time the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to come forward. Don't be ashamed, but come forward right now. I want you to come forward to the front because God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. That's it. Don't be afraid to step forward because God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Here's one that wants to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sister Winnie wants to be sure that she's baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You're going to be sure when you leave here today. In the name of the Lord, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else that wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and leave here knowing that you've been filled with God's Spirit? I know there's some others that want to pray. Come on, these have made the step forward. I want you to take that step of faith right now. And God's going to fill you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to let you know beyond a shout of a doubt. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I want those of you to come forward that want to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. That you had an experience with God. You rejoiced. We rejoiced with you. And they rejoiced. But you uh, feel like you need your spirit to be brought back to life again by the Holy Ghost. You want to be baptized in the Spirit again. Come on. I want you to come forward. Come on. You know what I'm talking to. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right now. Line up. God wants to refill you with the Holy Ghost and put that joy back inside of you. Fill your heart with peace again. Turn you into a turn you into a great fire for God's purpose. Hallelujah. Now, come on. I want the rest of you to come forward. Hallelujah. They want to be spiritually fit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you that desire to be spiritually fit, I'm going to need you to come pray with some people right now. I'm going to need you to go ahead and exercise your ministry right now and go pray for some people. Hallelujah. Some of these that are up here at the front, up around the front, find somebody to pray with right now because the Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall in this house right now. The Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall in this place right now. The Spirit of the Lord is getting ready to turn somebody's heart back to Him and put the fire back in their spirit. Hallelujah. Here's how we're going to start now that we're all gathered in. We're going to start out with that important first step, which is called repentance. Amen. And you say, well, I repented already. So did I, but I'm going to repent today because I have allowed my spirit man to get kind of cold. And God, I want the fire in there. So everybody across this place, I want you to repent with me right now. Ask God to forgive you. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord God, to forgive me for, for losing my fire. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for any actions or activities or attitudes that have been displeasing to you, Lord. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, from the depths of my heart, that you would forgive me because I want to be right with you. I want to be pure in my heart. I want to be holy, Lord Jesus, like you are holy. Jesus, forgive me for every word I've said that's been displeasing, for everything I've done that's been hurtful to my body or to someone else. God, forgive me, Lord Jesus. I want to walk in holiness, and I want to walk in purity, and I need your power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, once you lift up your hands and just begin to thank the Lord. Thank the Lord Jesus that he has forgiven you. Thank the Lord God that he's given you a fresh chance Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. As you begin to praise the Lord, lift up your voice and cry out unto God, and His Spirit is going to come upon you. Hallelujah. Come on. That's it.
it. Somebody lift up your voice right now and cry out to the Lord. Somebody lift up your voice and cry out to Jesus. God, I don't need just another sermon. I don't need another book to read. But I need you to breathe on me today, Lord. I need you to breathe on me with fresh fire and passion and anointing. Come on, it's happening. It's happening in the house right now.
Spirit is speaking in tongues. This is the initial evidence. But what I want to encourage you is not to let this glorious evidence of the baptism of God's Spirit become a stumbling block for you. Because there are some people that they experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They, they speak a few words in tongues. And then their focus goes...